So this weekend, I want to talk to you. We're in this series. We're in week three of a seven-week series called Circles. And we've been talking about relationships. We've been talking about the importance of relationships. We've been talking about that we were not designed to do life alone. We were designed to do life in community. And sometimes that's where our problems come from, right? Sometimes our problems come from circumstances. And sometimes our problems come from, from people and situations that we're walking through. So God didn't design us to do life alone. And so we're, we've been looking at this issue. And we've been looking at this issue of circles. Circles represent your life and in the lives of other people. And so you got to get your circle, your life healthy as possible or else you will not be able to live a life of joy. You will not be able to live the life that Jesus talked about where Jesus says that I've come to give you life and to give you life that life more abundantly. In other words, this morning I'm going to talk to you about this issue of learning to be joyful in any circumstance. Learning to be joyful in the midst of difficult circumstances, in the, in, in the midst of difficult situations, because sometimes people do not, sometimes people do not realize until the end of their life what was really important. A lot of people, ju just in talking to people and looking at statistics, a lot of people don't enjoy life. You know what? They endure life. For them, life is not meant to be enjoyed. Life is meant to be endured. Endure the relationships around you. Endure the situations around you. You just gotta, you just gotta suck it up and get through it to the very best of your ability. A lot of people will talk to you about this issue of their life, and they'll say, "Well, you know what? If I could, if I could just change this, if I could just like change this person or change this person out of my circle, or or if I could just change this circumstance, if I could just change this situation, then you know what? Life would be perfect for me. If I could just get." rid of this problem. If I could just get rid of this problem that I'm dealing with, then life would be perfect for me. But if you live life long enough, you realize it's hard to get away from your problems, right? It's hard to get away from those situations. Now listen, this is going to date me a little bit, but, but I have a go-to movie. I don't know if you have a go-to movie. I have a go-to movie. And I have a go-to movie whenever ministry is difficult, uh, whenever relationships are difficult, and I just need to go home, watch a show, and just laugh. Just laugh at some nonsense. And so I have, I have a go-to movie. Like I told you, it's going to make me sound older than what I really am. <laughs> My movie is What About Bob? Now, now, for those of you that are old as me, you know that's a great movie. Uh, those of you that are younger, come over to my house. I'll plug in the VHS or the Betamax, and I'll let you watch it. And so, What About Bob is a movie with Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus is a psychologist. He's a counselor, and, and, and Bill Murray happens to be his client, his patient. And so, Bill Murray is being counseled by Richard Dreyfus, and so Bill Murray starts trying to counsel the counselor, Richard Dreyfus, And so Bill Murray tells him, you know what you need, Richard? You need to take a vacation from your problems. If you could just take a vacation from your problems, life would be perfect. And so you need a vacation from your problems. And so Richard Dreyfus decided to do that. And you know what Richard Dreyfus learned? Your problems follow you on vacation. There is no such thing, right? There's no such thing taking a vacation from your problems. See, this issue of happiness, this issue of happiness, actually it comes from two Latin words. It means happenstance, and happiness is tied to 
happenstance. Happiness is tied to circumstance. Happiness is tied to something external outside of you. If you're that person that says, you know what, I'm only happy when. I'm only happy when I'm on the golf course. I'm only happy when I'm snow skiing. I'm only happy when I'm doing a hobby. I'm only happy when I'm on vacation. I'm only happy when I'm at the office. I'm only happy when I'm in this situation. I'm only happy with this friend. Then guess what? Your happiness, your your joy is tied to something outside of your circle. Your happiness is tied to a circumstance or situation. And as a result of that, your your joy in life, you're not going to enjoy life. You're going to endure it. And you're going to go from one situation and one circumstance to, to the next. This issue of joy is like something that is internal. This issue of joy is something that happens inside your, your circle. And so Paul, just a little bit of history about Paul, and then, then we'll look Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. You can click to, turn to, or if not, it's going to come up on the Sky Bible in a second. And so, so a little bit about Paul. Paul's background is for the last four years, his life has been miserable. For the last four years, he is not in a good set of circumstances. He's, he's spent two years in prison in Caesarea uh, for trumped-up char- charges. He was found guilty of something that he didn't do, and he was actually doing the right thing, and now he's in jail for like two years. And so because Paul is a Roman citizen, he appeals to, to Caesar. He appeals to, to Rome. And so now they've got to transfer him to Caesarea to Rome. And while they're taking him by, by, by ship, they have a shipwreck. They, they end up on a deserted island. And Paul is bitten by a poisonous snake. And he goes through horrible situations there on that island. They had to winter there. They had to wait for the weather to change so they can continue on their their journey. And then he gets to Rome and he spends another two years in prison there waiting um, really for his execution. In the two years in prison, because of the situations that they were going through, Paul was chained to two palace guards. He was an elite guard. 24 hours a day, he had a guard chained to him on each side of him. There's no privacy. There's never alone. And yet Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 18, he says, I re- I'll rejoice. Yes. He says, I will, I will continue to rejoice. In other words, listen, let me tell you something, joy is something internal. It's something that God is teaching me right now in some of the circumstances that we're walking through as a family. And learning to just be grateful for today. Learning to find something every day that you could be thankful for. Conditional gratitude is not gratitude. But learning to come to the place and say, you know, I'm going to find something today. I'm going to find something in the midst of this circumstance. I'm going to find something in the midst of this situation that I can be just grateful for. And so you ask yourself, well, what was Paul's secret? How could he go through four years of horrible circumstances and situations, friends betraying him, difficult circumstances, had his critics, and yet you realize Paul is this, this guy that stayed, he stayed positive. He stayed positive in prison. He triumphed over troubles. It seemed like he delighted in difficulties and he was able to stay happy and he was able to find joy regardless. So I want to give you four things. I want to give you four things quickly this morning that helps us to understand that, you know what, if I'm going to enjoy life instead of endure life, then I've got to be able to say these four things. I've got to be able to believe these four things. I've got to be able to understand these four things. The first one is this, that if you're, if you're going to find joy, understand joy is internal. The first thing is this, you have to come to a place to where you can say, I can see God at work in my problems. I, can, I may not like it. 
I may not like the situation. I may not like the circumstance. But guess what? I can see God at work in my problems. Maybe God's teaching me to ha- how to have gratitude. Maybe God's teaching me how to, how to develop character. Maybe God's teaching us something in this situation. But see, Paul was that guy that, Paul was that guy that could see God at work in his problems. Listen, all of us have problems, right? Many of you, 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 may, have, you may have brought your problem in with you this morning. I think I said that. You may be sitting next to your problem. I don't know. <laughs> it was a good thing there in church. Ask God to bless them. I don't know. So maybe I should have said plural, okay? All of us have problems. And so you can bring your problems into church with you. Uh, <laughs> we may go to counseling here in a second. Because you can't, what Bob said, you can't take a vacation from your problems. So your problems are with us. And so are with you, and so you may have brought them in here this, this morning. But listen, let me just tell you this. Regardless of your problems, your problems are not so important as much as how you're looking at your problem. Were you able to put your problems into perspective? Jamar Tisby is a guy that lives, still lives in Hawaii. He was in Hawaii a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago, actually, when the, when, the, when, the, when, the, when the alert came out on everybody's phone, right? You've heard about that, to where all of a sudden everybody's phone Saturday morning uh, lit up and said, ballistic missile is headed towards Hawaii. Basically, you're going to die. Uh, it was just one of those text messages. This is not a drill. This is not a, this is not a false alarm. Prepare yourself. A ballistic missile is coming. And Jamar uh, got that text message. And then, of course, we know that it, it took them like 45 minutes to, to say, hey, someone leaned on the wrong button, someone pressed the wrong button. You know, what was hilarious is, and this, just, this is for free this morning, but, <laughs> but the governor of Hawaii, in an in a, in a interview, they asked him, why did it take you 45 minutes to tell, tell us it was a false alarm? You know what he said? This is what he said. He says, I am so sorry. I forgot my password to Twitter. <laughs> I couldn't do it. He says, it took me 45 minutes to figure out my password. That would be me. I got password lists scattered out everybody, everywhere at my house, and so that would be me. But anyway, it took him 45 minutes. Two weeks after that, Saturday, yesterday, Jamar Tisby tweets this, which, which uh, CNN and Fox and all the major news networks started retweeting it and started commenting on it. But here's what he tweeted. He said, two weeks ago today, I literally thought I was going to die. It turned out to be a false alarm, but it felt real enough at the time. I woke up this morning anxious about some work I have to do, but now I'm simply thankful to live another day. He put life in perspective. There's, uh, I'm telling you, there's something about problems. There's something about crisis that helps us to put things into perspective. Helps us to know what is important and what is not important. Helps us to know what is, what is, what is small and what is not small. The only, th- the only thing that changed for Jamar, he still had problems. He still had problems at work. He was still anxious about some things. You know what changed for Jamar? His perspective. His perspective changed. I am thankful. Yeah, I got problems, but I am thankful to live another day. I am thankful to be on this planet. I am thankful for this in my life. Listen, there are a lot of people that think, you know what, for me, life has to be perfect. Life has to be perfect for me to to be happy if I could change this one thing. 
But I'm telling you, it is more important how we look at a problem, how we look at a situation. Verse 12, Paul writes, he said, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, this is so important, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. In other words, Paul was that guy who was able to see the best and worst. When, when you go through a problem, when you go through situations, you focus on the best or you focus on the worst. You, you, you focus on God's working in my problems, and I'm going to, even in the midst of this, I'm going to find something to be thankful for. I'm going to find something to be grateful for. Even in the midst of this, I can see God at work in my problems. I, I, I may not like it. I may not like what's happening to me or going on, but I, I, can, see, I can see God working in my problems. People will tell you that God's timing is perfect, right? That God's timing is perfect, and, uh, and that, that he always shows up on time. Uh, my frustration is, is God, you know, there are times in, 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 the, in time I think God has missed an opportunity to just show up a little bit early, right? I mean, there's a lot of us that we want God just to show up early. But God's timing is perfect and live. And Paul was able to see that. See, for Paul, he could see the best and the worst of situations. And he said, you know what's happening? He says, non-believers are being witnessed to. I may not like what's going on in my life, but guess what? His problems did not determine his priorities. His problems did not change anything. Paul's like, you know what? He's still busy in prison. He's still pr uh, praying to God. He's still relating to God. He's worshiping. Uh, he's enjoying God's presence. He's spreading the message about Christ. He's writing letters to other churches. H here's what problems do for us. It reveals our purpose. It reveals our priorities. It reveals to us where we try to get hope. It reveals to us where we try to get security. Uh, Paul said in verse 13, he says, For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. Paul's dream for his life wasn't to turn out like this. Paul's dream for his life is that he'd go to Rome. He would like, he would like send out a, a, a mailer to every home in Rome, inviting everybody to a crusade. He'd preach a crusade. He'd launch a church. And by that, he, he would change the Roman Empire. He, he would change everything. Instead, God had different plans. Instead, God, God put him, God put him in, in prison where he wrote most of the New Testament. He was chained to the elite guard, a palace guard. He was chained 24 hours a day to the, various, the very guards that were the personal bodyguards for Nero and, and for his family. This elite guard that he was chained to, they would do this for 12 years. They were the highest paid profession in their area. They'd do this for 12 years, and then they retired from that. And they became, listen, they became the future leaders of Rome. They became the future men that would make decisions for, for Rome. And here Paul is, 24 hours a day, chained to those guys. And every, every four hours for two years, two new guards came in, and he was chained to them. And so if my math is correct, that means Paul witnessed to 4,380 people. Even in the midst of difficult circumstances, Paul understood his priority. Paul understood this is, this is what I'm called to do. And you realize, the fact is, history tells us, history tells us that these guards that were chained to Paul met Christ. Many of them witnessed to Nero's family. His family met Christ. His mother met Christ. His, his wife met Christ. His kids met Christ. And then once they were promoted, once they retired, and they went into government, they made great changes in Rome, which, like, changed Rome, def, uh, uh, Rome because of Paul. See, Paul understood. Paul understood the difference between a good problem and a bad problem is your perspective. That problem that you have in your circle right now, God wants to use it. 
God wants to use it in your life. God may want to use it in some other people's lives, just like he did Paul. Verse 14, he says, And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Paul said this, My attitude towards my problems will either encourage or discourage others. It's a bizarre thing, but you can take two people and you can put them in the same set of situations. You put them in the same set of circumstances. And one person will come out bitter and one person will come out better because of perspective. You ever been around that person? You ever been around that person that's going through difficult circumstances, whether it's medically or financially or relationally, and you think, man, if I was in that situation, I think I'd give up. It's like something about them is different. And they still have joy. They still have perspective. They're able to see God at work. Doesn't that encourage you? I know it does me. I know it encourages me to have someone that's going through a difficult set of circumstances. And like they still joy, they still laugh, they still have joy. They're not bitter, they're not cynical. All of a sudden, you understand, there is something different about that individual. See, Paul's perspective was this. What is happening to me? It is happening for the encouragement of others. It is happening to to advance the gospel. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for good. doesn't mean that everything is good. There's bad stuff that happens to us. But God can take that, and he can take that for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. In other words, we understand God has a purpose for every problem that comes into my life. God underst- or Paul understood the purpose for his problems many times was for others and not himself. So the first thing is this, is that if you're, you're going to come to that place, you have to first be able to see God at work in your problems. The second thing is this, you have to learn to focus on what really counts. You have to learn to focus on what really counts. I so many times, it's not until the end of someone's life that they look back over their life and say, you know what, this is what really counted in life. Paul was that guy that knew it up front. In other words, Paul had a priority to live by. There was something about Paul. He had a priority to live by that when problems came into life, Paul was able to tell the things that are trivial and the things that are significant. Paul understood the difference between things that are an inconvenience and things that are pure suffering. So many times, if you have never really suffered, then all of a sudden we think, if I'm just inconvenienced, oh, woe is me. I'm like suffering now. And Paul understood the difference between an inconvenienced life and suffering in life. Listen, I'm telling you, either you will decide your priorities are life or someone or something else will decide those priorities for you. Either someone else will decide those priorities for you, a situation, a circumstance will. And Paul decided up front that this is the priority that I'm going to live by. Because I'm going to have joy in life. Paul writes in verse 15, he said, It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. The others, these are his critics, the others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely. Watch this. Intending to make my chains more painful for me. Paul's like, if these chains, like these chains aren't painful enough, I got some critics. I got some guys criticizing me. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to make my chains more painful for me. In, in our language, in our contemporary uh, English that we would use today, we would say that a different way. We would say, you know what? They're kicking me while I'm down. 
Here I am. I'm going through these problems. I'm trying to live for Christ. I'm trying to do the right thing. They don't like some of the things I'm doing. They don't like some of the decisions that I'm doing. And so you know what they're doing? They are, they are criticizing me. They, are, they, they have become my critics. And it's like the situation isn't bad enough. Verse 18. Here's his response. And the only reason he was able to respond like this is because he had decided his priorities in life. He had decided what's important. And in his circle, he kept Christ at the center. Listen, if you move Christ or you don't have Christ in the center of your circle and you move people, you move situations, you move circumstances into your, into your, your, your center, then when people criticize you, it's going to devastate you. Why? Because you're trying to find your happiness in what people say about you and what people think about you. See, Paul was totally different. And so verse 18, here's how he responds to his critics. He's just so mature. He says, that doesn't matter. That's deep, I know. You know what it means in the Greek? So what? So what? Only way you and I can do that is when we have Christ at the center. And we know our priorities. So what they're saying that about me? I know what God's called me to do. I know my priority. You're always going to have critics. You're always going to have people around you that will criticize you. If you're going to do anything for Christ. So he says, but that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way. So he was able to say this in the midst of criticism and deep circumstances. So I rejoice and I will, I will continue to rejoice. I will continue to find something to be grateful for. I will continue to find something to be thankful for. See, Paul understood what the important things were in life. And he, listen, he wasn't going to let a circumstance or a situation steal his joy. For, for many of us, when we lose our joy, it's because of a circumstance or it's because of a person. And Paul's like, no circumstance and no critic's going to steal my joy. He said, you know what? These guys that are talking about me, their motives may be impure, their style may be wrong, but the important thing for me that's so mature, the message is getting out. People are accepting Christ. People are being baptized. He, he understood that whole thing. And that's why he was able to have a so what attitude. If you want to have a so what attitude in life, when your critics come or difficult circumstances, then you have to know what is important. You have to place God at the center. In other words, Paul set his priorities, Paul set his values, Paul set the things that, that mattered to him, and he didn't, let the, he didn't let the little things steal his joy. I mean, how many, don't answer this out loud, please, but how many in your life, how many arguments do you have over the little things that don't really matter? In our family, because of what we're walking through, we find ourselves no longer arguing over the little things. In problems and circumstances, it helps you to understand what is trivial and what is significant. What is a big deal and what is not a big deal. It is a big deal that we're just all in the room together. That we're all just enjoying one another. That's a big deal. And see, Paul was like that. And a lot of times we have to ask ourselves, is this really worth me losing my joy over? Is this really that big of a deal? In other words, we come to the place where we have to focus. We have to focus on what really counts in life. 
And so the third thing is this, that if, if, if you're going to come to that place where, where God is in the center and no critic, no circumstance can steal your joy, then you, you have to be able to say, I can find a strength to keep going. I can find a strength to keep going. In other words, this, you have to have strength to make it. Human love can wear out. Love wears out. Life can, can drain you. We get that. We understand that. People can drain you. Circumstances can drain you. You can lose your energy. You can lose your joy. And you know what I'm concerned about? There may be some of you this morning that say, you know what? I, I'm here, but I'm like ready to throw in the towel. I'm like ready to give up. I've done the best I can. I've worked as hard as I can. I've tried to do the right thing. But it just seems like it's not good enough. And I'm like sick and tired of being sick and tired. Well, you know what you need in your circle? You need a fresh power supply. You need something to happen in your circle. Because joy is internal. Happiness is external. Paul says in verse 19, he goes on, he says, For I know that as you pray for me, the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me. This will lead me to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope, that is so important, that I will never be ashamed, but I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I will trust my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. Paul says, you know what, there's two things that give me strength. The prayers of other people give me strength. And who's praying for you? That's why life groups are so important. That's why community is so important in our church. That's why we have a prayer response at the end of every one of our services because of this issue of prayer, because of this issue that prayers of other people give us strength and encourage us. And then, Paul says, the help of God's Spirit helps me. Paul uses the word hope. Listen, you cannot live without hope. You cannot cope without hope. When you have lost hope, it's hard to go on. The way you know that you've lost hope in a situation, if you believe tomorrow's going to be no better than today, next week is going to be no better than the day, next month, next year, when you've lost hope, there's all kinds of studies that have, that have gone on about this issue of hope. Cornell University many years ago took 25,000 uh, POWs from World War II. And they did some surveys. And here's what they found. They, says, they said that, 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 that they found that men can handle tremendous stress and pressure as long as they have hope. If you don't have hope, you're doomed. So let me ask you. Where do you get the hope in life to keep going? Where do you get the hope in life when there's no earthly answer? And is it reliable? Is your hope in people? Is your hope in situations and circumstances? Is your hope reliable? Or is your hope in something that doesn't change? Paul's answer to this personally was in Philippians 4.13. He says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. In other words, Paul would say this, with God's power, nothing can devastate me. God's power, nothing can come into my life and nothing can devastate me because I have a hope in something that is reliable. The fourth and the last statement, the fourth and the last thing is that we need to understand is I need a purpose to live for. I need a, I need a purpose to live for. There, I, I, have to ha I have to know why I'm here. I have to know why I'm created. I have to know, know why I'm on planet Earth. I have to have a purpose that I, to live for. Saturday night, there was just brought home to me at, at the 5 o'clock service, just a little bit of history, and I'm not going to use any names, but I had a prayer partner 
been a prayer partner for our, in our church for a number of years and served faithfully. About a year ago, he was diagnosed with a very serious form of, of cancer. He went, through, he, went through some, he went through some treatment. Um, they thought his cancer was in remission and good news, and we've been praying. And then just last week, they went to the doctor and did some tests, and his cancer's back, and it doesn't look good. And yeah, it devastated them. Yeah, it was hard. After the five during the 5 o'clock service at the prayer response, I asked for a call to prayer, and people started coming down to pray. And then all of a sudden, I look over to, to my right, your left, and I mean standing, standing right there. There's that prayer partner with cancer. And he has his hand on an individual, and he's praying for that individual. And he has cancer. He has a hope. It isn't dependent upon his circumstances and situation. He knows. He has a priority to live by. I talked to him after the services. I, I, I said, that just so moved me. I mean, emotionally, I, that was hard to, to, just to watch, just the picture of that. He said, Charlie, I, I know what God's called me to do, and as long as I have strength, I'm going to continue to do it. Regardless of my situation, regardless of my circumstances, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to serve the local church. In other words, he, he knew his priority. Paul had a, a vision statement for his life, as you, if you will. Verse 21, he says, for me, to live is Christ and to die is, is, is gain. In other words, the people that have made the greatest impact in our world are those people that had a clear mission. They had a clear vision for their life. They knew their priority. They knew what God had called them to, to do. Mark Twain is the guy that said this, that the two, two most important days of any human's life is the day they were born, in the day they learned why. Do you know why you're here? Do you know why God created you? Do you have a purpose to live for? Because Paul would simply say that his relationship with Jesus Christ is going to be the highest priority in his life. I mean, he loved his parents. He loved his friends. He loved his ministry. He loved his church. But he said, my, my highest priority is Jesus Christ. Paul understood the limitations of people. Paul understood the limitations of relationships. He understood there's going to be disappointments and hurts and pains, and, and, and people will let you down. Paul's friends let him down. There were times that Paul was in prison. His friends didn't come. His friends didn't come and see him. His friends didn't come and, see, and help him. But the Scripture tells us, you can read it for yourself in 2 Timothy 4.16, the Scripture tells us that Paul says, my friends abandoned me, but guess what? The Lord stood at my side. And the Lord gave me strength. In other words, Paul says, in the center of my life is like, is like God. In other words, Paul says, I, I hold human relationships loosely and I hold Christ tightly. In other words, he says, Christ is at the center of my life. And, and so many times we'll get disappointed in people and we'll say, I, I cannot believe you let me down. Really? We're human. I've let myself down at times. People are going to let you down. People are going to disappoint you. People are going to hurt you. They're people. None of us are perfect. But Paul understood, I, I know the one who is perfect. And as a result of that, he's at the center of my life. And he said, nothing can ever keep me from following Christ, from following God. That's why it's so important here at Fellowship of the Rockies that we're clear on our vision, we're clear on our mission. 
that we want to see people encouraged and forgiven and set free and empowered and then serving God in the way he designed them. We understand that we have a purpose in this community and we have a purpose in Pueblo, Colorado and beyond. And so my question is to you, do you know your purpose? Do you know your priority? Do you know why God has created you? If you don't, your next step is actually our next step class, which starts February the 4th, at Sunday at 1030. And it's a class that is designed for you to understand our history, who we are as a church, our priorities, our strategy, and then to help you find a place where you can fit within the body. And that'd be your next step. But let me ask you, is Christ at the center of your circle? Is your happiness, your joy dependent on circumstances or people? Or is your joy tied to something that can't change, which is him? Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?